Well, hello and welcome to Church Online. Just like every week, I'm so excited that you're part of today's online experience. Today, we are concluding the last week of our series, Operation. To me, this has been an incredible series as we've challenged ourselves to get healthy in the places of our life that matter the most. And ultimately, this comes down to our spiritual lives and our spiritual existence. In week one, we learned that we had a spiritual disease, and that spiritual disease is sin. We're all facing it, and we're all struggling with it, and we all have to have Jesus in order to overcome it. In week two, we learned the reason that we have a sin disease is because of our pre-existing conditions. We learned about some areas of our life where sin lives that we're all dealing with together. Last week, we learned that we are in critical condition, that our culture that we live in is in critical condition and ways in which we could overcome the culture that is around us. And today, I have titled your message, Brain Surgery. And the reason I've titled your message Brain Surgery is because I believe that as we look across uh, our culture and our world, as you think about yourself and your own struggles and the struggles of those around you, our mental health and the state of our mental health is really important. And I believe that the enemy has put an attack on our mental health. There are many things that I believe we struggle with that are all birthed out of our mental health. And today, uh, I know that uh, I won't fix everything for you. I understand that we're all in different places and we're all struggling in different ways, but I do believe that the Bible speaks to us about this and the Bible will give us some principles today of how we can navigate through the difficulty of our mental health. And this whole series has come out of Joel chapter 2 verse 13 that says, don't tear your clothing in grief but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Don't tear your clothes. In the Old Testament time, we've discussed this every week, that they would rip their clothes as a sign of repentance or remorse for their actions or their life. But the Bible's instructing us, you got to go a little bit deeper, get below the surface, get to the core or to the root of the problem in order to be removed or repaired, that which is broken. And so today, as we talk about our mental health, I want you to understand there are lots of avenues from medication to counselors and psychologists and uh, prayer and all of the things that we do. And I want to let you know, I think all of those are great. But today, I want to get beneath the surface a little bit. I want us to stop going just surface level and dealing and coping. And I want to see what the Bible teaches us about this and about what we can do. I want you to look at a few statistics with me so we all understand where we are as a society. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14 and 75% by age 24. Suicide is the second leading cause among death among people aged 10 to 34. Today, we are dealing with a mental health crisis. 
And I believe God wants to speak to us and help us to overcome it. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 today talking about an incredible guy named Elijah. And this guy understands exactly what it means to struggle with mental health and struggle with the depression and the anxiety and the worry and the fear and the physical conditions that come along with that today that maybe you're experiencing or someone that you know. Now, one of the things that I think people misunderstand about the state of our mental health is people misunderstand that uh, you must have just had a bad life and a bad time all the time. Maybe you don't experience anything good. But there are many people who are experiencing the highest of the highs and yet still feel the lowest of the lows. Elijah was that exact same way. Maybe you want to write these down. In chapter 17 of 1 Kings, we see that Elijah was, was fed by ravens. God miraculously fed him and provided food for him by the birds of the air. God said, don't worry about anything. I'm going to take care of you. And his lunch and his breakfast and his dinner every day is delivered by the birds of the air. It's an absolute miracle. And then also we see in chapter 17 that uh, God was able to uh, supply his food. A lady was taking care of him, and Elijah said, hey, if you'll prepare me some food. And this lady said, hey, I don't even have enough food to take care of my own family. And Elijah said, if you'll just begin preparing and continually do it, God will supply and God did just that. This same lady in chapter 17, her son dies. And she's all upset as we would be as well. And Elijah said, no, God's going to do a miracle here. And Elijah prays for her son. And her son is revived back to life. It's absolutely amazing. The highest of the highs. And then in chapter 18, he has an incredible showdown on top of the mountain. Some of you know that story if you've been in church. And uh, all the people around Elijah were worshiping foreign gods. And they weren't worshiping the one true God. And so they all had this showdown where they called from heaven. And they asked their God to consume an altar they had constructed. And Elijah goes and he literally has this moment of trust and belief in God and God consumes the altar, catches it on fire. Everybody is amazed. I mean, it's just the highest of the highs. But after this just little trend of highs and experiences that Elijah has in his life, soon he hits a very low, low. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8 with me, and I'm going to read it to you. Here's what it says. It says, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. That was the showdown on the mountain. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up, eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came and said, uh, and touched him and said, Get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. 
Today, I believe that God has come to replenish you and to revive you and to restore you and to tell you that the journey ahead is too much for you. What you're facing and what you're feeling, what you're dealing with emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally, it is too much for you. The journey ahead is too much. However, God has come to prepare for you, and He's come to bring you everything that you need. And we're going to take a journey through this very chapter and this story of Elijah to see how God intervened into the darkest moment of his life. And so I want to pray for you, and I want to pray that God would speak to us during his message today. Father, I love you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for speaking to every place of our life that is broken. I pray that in this moment today, you do a work that only you can do. You touch us mentally. You touch us physically and spiritually and emotionally, relationally, God, in every area of our life that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I believe we need an MRI. If we're going to have brain surgery, if we're going to remove some things or repair some things that are broken, we've got to have an MRI to tell us where we are, to tell us about our general mental health. And so here's three things that I want you to know that we do uh, that I believe causes us to have a more difficult time in recovery when it comes to our mental health. And number one, here's the first thing that we do. We run from problems. We run from our problems. Many of us, as soon as tragedy strikes, as soon as bad news is given, as soon as we get that doctor's report, or as soon as our friend abandons us, as soon as we lose our job, or our spouse walks out, or whatever comes our way, many of us, instead of buckling up and saying, this is where I am in life, this is what has been given to me, and God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to follow you, but we begin to run away. And this is exactly what Elijah did. You see, he had experienced some of the most amazing miracles. Literally, he had experienced the provision of God in two very miraculous ways. He had raised or resurrected a dead boy back to life. He had experienced an absolute miracle from heaven, uh, only that God could do, yet fear had pushed him and fear had caused him to run, his circumstances had become so devastating that he ran for his life. 1 Kings 19 and 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. If I'm honest with you today, I love to go to the gym, I love to work out, I love weightlifting, I love everything that comes along with it. I feel better, my mental health is much better when I've been in the gym. If I'm feeling stressed or if my work day has just been taxing and I can go to the gym for an hour or an hour and a half and I can put in some earphones or some earbuds and I can worship and I can uh, just listen to the Lord speak and I can lift some weights, I feel so much better. But when it comes to running, look, the only time that I will run or that I find myself needing to run is if someone is chasing me or something is trying to harm me. I don't like to run. Yet when it comes to our problems and when it comes to our struggles and when it comes to our mental health, many of us find ourselves running a lot. Most people who do run, when I'm in the gym and I see the cardio equipment is packed with people, they are running so that they can burn calories. They want to burn that which they have taken in that doesn't need to stay in the body. Come on, we want to get rid of some of that weight. And we run so that we can burn some calories so we can shed some of the excess. 
I want to ask you today, how many calories are you burning in your life, running from your problems? Many of you, if your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or your smartwatch was able to burn the calories or give you an indication of the calories you're burning running from your stress and your worry and your depression and your problems, you would be amazed at the calories that you are burning. We're running from things that are not going to go away. Listen to me today. Running is not the answer. There's a quote that says, running away from your problems is a race that you will never win. Running away from your problems is a race that you will never win. Stop running away. We run to self-medication. I'm not against medication and I'm not against things that work, but let me tell you, uh, medication alone can be abused. Uh, when we put all of our faith and all of our trust into this medication and more medication, there are many Americans struggling all across the country with an abuse of medication that all started with us running from our problems. We run to the bottle of wine, Hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you today as your pastor, and if I'm not your pastor, just take it or leave it today, but here's how I feel. I feel like we have too many people that are going home at the end of the day, putting the kids to bed and settling down with a bottle of wine in order to cope. If you need that coping mechanism for your mental health, I believe it's a sign that you're running away from your problems. Coping mechanisms train your body that you need a substance in order to cope with the problems that you have. And it just so happens that the problems that you have right now, you find that a bottle of wine is able to suffice or supply the need for the problem that you have. But one day when it gets even worse or a more difficult situation comes and that bottle of wine no longer supplies the need, you find yourself reaching for something even greater so that you can cope. You've already taught and trained your body to look for a substance in order to cope. We look for substance. We look for pornography. Many of you are addicted to pornography and you can't break the habit because it's a stress relief, because you've trained your body, you've trained your mind, you've trained your emotions to reach for that pornography when you are struggling with your mental health. Spending. Many of us will spend money. Come on, we just feel better. We get in a rush of adrenaline. All of our, our brain begins to race with activity when we're purchasing and searching and buying and waiting for the delivery and the opening of the box and the receiving of what you've purchased and then it all begins to fade away. And all of the stress and all of the worry and all of the problems, they just keep coming back. You can't run fast enough. Elijah could not run fast enough for his problems. Why is Elijah running? He just had the highest of high with God. But he's now got Jezebel who's upset. So Elijah is running from his problem. Number two, we run from our problems, but we also run from people. We run from people in our lives. We begin to isolate. We begin to pull away. We begin to uh, push out people who love us and we pull in the feelings and the emotions and the stress and the worry that absolutely desires to destroy us. Elijah did the same thing. You notice after Elijah began running in verse 3 he says, it says when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. 
Notice that the person who was actually with him, that was serving him, that was there to assist him, to walk along beside him, he left those closest on the outside. There are many of you, if you were honest today, that when we struggle and when we have a problem, we begin to seclude ourselves. We begin to isolate. We say around here a lot that isolation is the enemy's playground. That when you begin to isolate yourself, you give room for the enemy to come in and sit with you all alone. You see, when he begins to whisper lies to you and he begins to tell you that a miracle cannot happen, when he begins to tell you that you will always be addicted, when he begins to tell you that you'll always be worthless, your marriage will never work, your kids will never love you, you will never have self-esteem, when the enemy begins to lie, when there's no one around for accountability to tell you that the enemy is lying to you. You will receive it, you will believe it, and then you will begin to live it because you have isolated yourself, running from your problems and running from people. Isolation was related to 50% of dementia patients. You see, isolation increased the risk of death. And in dementia patients, isolation was related to 50% of dementia patient deaths. We also learned that our depression rates, our suicide rates, and our anxiety rates are higher when it comes to people who are isolation. You see, community is at our core. We were designed for community. We were created for community. God intended us for community. Elijah left his servant running from those who were closest to him. Fear had pushed the people out of his life. His problems were pushing the people away. He began to isolate. Today I want to ask you this question. How alone do you feel? In the midst of those problems, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of all you're facing, how alone do you feel today? When we're struggling with our mental health, everything else flows out of it. Why are we talking about this today? It's because there are a lot of different things we're facing. But the root of it is growing from our mental health. And you're running from your problems and you're running from people. And then number three, here's what Elijah does next. Elijah, we find himself, he's running from peace. When we are running from our problems and we're running from people, we're also running from our peace. In 1 Kings 19 chapter First uh, Kings 19 and 4, verse 4, it says this, When he went alone into the wilderness, again, he's alone in the wilderness, traveling all day, because he's not even resting, he's not even slowing down, his brain is not giving him room, he is traveling and running as fast as he can. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. So look at this. Here he is alone, traveling all day. He's running so hard that he's not even stopped. He completely depletes himself of all of his ability to continue running until he collapses under a tree. And with the last of his ability, he begins to speak and he begins to pray. And he goes to the one that he should have been searching for the most he goes to the Lord, but instead of looking for peace, he's looking for death. He prays that God would take his life. Many of us have encountered moments just like this. Some of us haven't experienced it, but it's intangible. You can't explain it. 
that darkness and that weight and that pressure that feels like it has wrapped you up and concealed your body with so much stress and so much darkness that the only thing you can imagine as a release is death. And instead of looking and praying for peace, we're praying for a way out. And today I want to tell you that's not God's best. It's not God's plan. God wants to redeem your life today, and He wants to carry you through it. He wants to give you a brain surgery to remove or repair that which is broken. Today, ask yourself, am I running away from my problems? Am I running away from people in my life? Have I been running away from peace in my life? And if you answer yes, or maybe, or possibly, or potentially to any of those today, I want to give you a road to recovery. Now, I want to tell you I'm not a doctor today. I'm not someone who can diagnose your condition, but I am telling you that God gave us some examples from His Word. He gave us a little light right here in our darkness to see exactly what God wants to do and can do when we find ourselves in this condition. Three things that I believe we need to do, and the first is this, is you need to find your tree. Find your tree. Let me help you make sense of that. 1 Kings 19, 4 and 5 says this, He sat down under a solitary broom tree. I want you to underline that word, solitary. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, then he laid down and he slept under that broom tree. Now what is a broom tree? I asked myself the same question. When I understood the significance that I felt the Bible was pointing out about this broom tree, the Bible says that it was a solitary broom tree. That means in the area that he was in, there was one tree that could provide for him. You see, he found shelter. He found refuge in this one broom tree. It provides for us. Uh, The broom tree was used for shelter. I began to research the significance of a broom tree and learn that throughout Scripture we could find that it's used for shelter. The broom tree was also used for fuel for fire. It took care of people when they were cold. It provided people an ability to be able to cook food. It provided light. It provided warmth. The the, the broom tree was able to provide fuel. The broom tree could also be eaten. If you want to write this down in Job chapter 30, verses 3 and 4, we see that in an emergency situation, they would actually eat the root of the broom tree. You see, the broom tree symbolizes the protection and the provision and the presence of God. You see, just when Elijah needed it, when he was running and when he was tired and when he was give out, It just so happened that there was a solitary broom tree provided for Elijah when he needed provision and when he needed peace and when he needed God in his life. The very presence of God was there in that broom tree. The local church, I believe, is our broom tree. I believe God gave us this covering. 
I believe God gave us this resource. I believe it's where God gave us people. I believe it's where God helps supply His presence and His power and His peace and His potential that what can be unlocked in your life. Listen to me. When you start running from your problems and you run from people and you run from God's peace, you'll find yourself running from the very place that you'll find all those things and that is the local church. Listen to me today. The local church is essential. You need the local church. The local church is what God gave His Son to redeem the world. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. And one day Jesus is coming back for His bride, which is what? You guessed it. The church. And what is the church? It is you and it's me. And so why do we need the church? Because I need you and you need me. Stop running from God's church. Get under the covering of the tree and allow it to provide for you. Allow the provision, allow the peace, allow the presence and the power and the potential of God to flow from the covering of the tree. You need to find your tree. We're running from it. We're escaping from it. We're telling ourselves we don't need it. And I understand we've been hurt by it. I understand we've had bad experiences with it. I understand there are people that are abusing it. But listen to me, just when you need it at the right time in the right place, there will be a solitary broom tree for you to run and for you to find that provision from God. Today, you need to find your tree. Let Cultivate Church be your tree. If Cultivate Church is not it, let me help you find somewhere. But you need a covering and you need to find your tree. Number two, you need to find your tongue. You need to learn to talk. What do we do when we're facing mental health issues and we have a mental health crisis and we are depressed and stressed and dealing with anxiety and worry and relationship problems and kid problems and addiction problems and all of these things? What do we do? We just shut down and we quiet down. We stop praying. We stop seeking. We stop asking. We stop talking because we are just shutting ourselves down. Find your tree and find your tongue. Elijah began to do this. In 1 Kings verse 9 and 10 of chapter 19 says this, But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Today the Lord's talking to you and he's asking you the same thing. What are you doing? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. And I, I'm the only one left. And now... They're going to kill me too. Often in our darkest moments, we begin to deactivate our prayer life. In our darkest moments, we begin to deactivate our communication and our expression of our feelings and our emotions and our worries and our cares. And we begin to, we just begin to conceal it. And we begin to compress it. and We begin to ignore it. But in this moment, it, it was a moment of clarity. It was a moment of communication. When God says to Elijah, Elijah, stop for just a second. Just stop. And you tell me. Just talk to me, Elijah. Express it. Get it out. Tell me. Why are you here? I mean, Elijah, look at what all I've done for you. Elijah, look at what you've experienced. Elijah, look at all the blessings that are in your life. Why are you here? What got you to this place? Why are you running? 
But you see, while Elijah was under the covering, when he was under the tree, God's presence showed up and Elijah began to speak. He found his tongue. He began talking to the Lord. And he began to express the very root of it all. And did you catch what Elijah said? Why he was in the place that he was in? He said, God, everybody's turned away from you. And I am the only one left. Isolation. He felt like it was all too far. It all gotten too bad. It had all gotten out of control. And now he was the only one left. And in that moment, can I tell you something? That was the turning point right here. And this entire story, that is when things began to shift. Because Elijah began to express honestly and openly with where he was and what his needs were. You see, when you express your needs, you give God the ability to begin speaking to those needs specifically. That's why we pray. You see, when we take our needs to the Lord, the Bible teaches us that He loves you and He cares for you, He will supply for you, and He will take care of you. And when you take that to God, God can then begin to take your cares and He can begin to do the things that only He can do. You see, you need to find your tree, you need to find your tongue, and you need to begin to communicate. Jesus brings forgiveness and then confession and admittance brings healing. The Bible tells us that we need each other. We confess to God for forgiveness, yet we are healed when we reveal our issues to one another. So find your tree, find your tongue, get real with God, get real with people. And then number three, here's the great thing, you need to find your tribe. Find your tribe. Elijah had just expressed to God he said, God, I'm here and I'm afraid and I'm running because I am the only one left. I'm not a doctor today. I'm not a medical expert. But I can speak to you from the spiritual realm. I can tell you that we fight flesh and we fight blood. And the doctor may be able to speak to your flesh. But today, I can speak to your spirit. And I can tell you this from God's word. That when you run and you isolate in your circumstance, you always run from people and you need community. Adam and Eve sinned and the first thing they did is they ran. They isolated themselves. They got alone because they were fearful. Because their brain was overwhelmed with guilt and shame and worry. Yet God came after them so that he could have relationship with them. And today, you've run from people. You have shut down. You have isolated yourself. But you need to find your tribe. I'm the only one left, God. And notice what happens next. Then the Lord said to him, go back the same way you came. Why is he going backwards? Why is he going back to the same place that he came? He said, travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, to replace you as my prophet. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Check this out. Not only is Elijah not the only one, not only is he not alone in this battle, but he is going to go back and find three very specific people that God has given him. He's going to anoint two of them as king, and he's going to anoint another as a spiritual successor to his very own life. You see, there was not uh, isolation for him. He was not alone. It was all a lie from the enemy. His mental health was telling him, 
that he was in it by himself, but he needed an operation. He needed to go beneath the surface and find a tree, a covering of peace and grace, and he needed to find his tongue and begin to express and tell God, and he needed to find his tribe. God was sending him back to his people. Go to these three very specific people because they're on this journey with you. And not only are these three people on the journey with you, but there are 7,000 other people that I'm going to send you to to be reunited with to lift your spirits and to encourage you and to strengthen you and to help carry you when you cannot carry yourself. How do I find my tribe? How do I find my people? Well, it just so happens that next Sunday we begin small groups at Cultivate Church. Small groups are people who lead opportunities for people to gather together. They hang out in homes and restaurants and places across our city. They hang out in areas to talk about life and to pray together and to eat good food and to study the Bible and to play sports and to go hiking and to do all the things that we enjoy doing, yet we need to do them together. Today, you can go online at cultivatechurch.tv. You can open up the church app and you can begin to explore all of the small groups that are available beginning next week. And you can call people, you can email people, you can find something that you're interested in. It's close to where you live that fits your schedule and you can find a way to connect with people and find your tribe. Can I tell you something? That when you're under the tree, when you're in the church, when you're in the covering, you'll find your people. You'll find your tongue. You'll find the presence of God to begin to speak to you and to heal you and to work in your life right where you are. Listen, today I understand that this was heavy. And I understand that this is not a get rich quick. This is not a fix it in a moment. But I can tell you this, that when you open up your life to the power and the presence of God, it changes things. Today I want to pray over you that that would be the decision that you would make today. That just like Elijah, that just like he has experienced in his own life and in this moment, that God would do the same thing for you today. Can I pray for you? Right where you are, will you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're listening by podcast, I pray that you just where you are can tune out the distraction and find a moment to be alone with God. And if you're watching today and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray that over you today, that today could be your moment and your day to say yes. And then I want to pray for all of us that are potentially struggling today with our mental health, and we're feeling that stress and that worry, the anxiety, the depression. I want to pray today. You find your tree, find your tongue, and find your tribe so that you can make it through to the other side. Father, I love you. Thank you for my friends watching online today. I pray for every person that today in this moment, God, you speak to their heart. If there's one person today that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, I pray that this would be the moment that we would find relationship with you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. We receive it today. We accept it. And today we put you first as our Lord and as our Savior. And today, God, I pray for all of my friends who are struggling with their mental health. I pray that peace that passes all understanding would guard their heart and guard their mind. Father, let us get under the tree, the solitary tree that you provided for us so that you can meet our needs. Father, I pray that they would be able to find their tongue and express their hurt and their disappointment, and their habits and their hang-ups that they're facing in their life. God, help them to express it to you and to others. 
And God, I help you, pray that you help us to find our tribe, people that we love and that we enjoy and we can do life with. And in the middle of it all, Jesus, you get all the credit. In Jesus' name.